Welcome to the She Connects podcast. My name is Susan Vandenhubel, and I am honored to be your host each and every week. This is an extension of my ministry, She Rises, that allows me to connect with women in the online space. You can learn more about me and my ministry at www.sherisesmn.org or simply tap the link in the show notes. But for now, let's dive into this week's episode. Well, hey everyone, here we go. We're still in this series that I started a few weeks ago on the armor of God. And this week we're going to be looking at the helmet of salvation. But first I just have to say, we are celebrating here at the She Connects podcast three years, three years of podcasting. I started in 2020. I think that, I mean, the world kind of went a little sideways in 2020. And I think that while 2020 will go down as a year of a lot of different things, it will definitely go down as the year that a lot of podcasts launched because so many people were needing to pivot from doing things in person and moving to the online space. And and so a lot of people started podcasts. But you know, the thing about podcasting if you weren't aware and, and, you know, really I wasn't aware either until I kind of got into this world. Podcasters, not only is it a lot of work, it's, you know, a lot of behind the scenes, there's editing, there's all kinds of different things. That way you have to have a podcasting host platform. There's a fee you have to pay for that. You know, my husband does all of the editing and it takes a lot of time. He as you know, he wants to do a professional job and, and make sure that we have really great sound quality. So I just really appreciate his time and and just his attentiveness to that and putting together something that is, first of all, honoring to God. I mean, let's just, anything that we're doing, whether or not we're podcasting, whatever it is that we're doing, let's be people who want to do things that honor the Lord, that we're not just slapping something together and saying, wow, look at me, I'm doing things for the kingdom, but doing things that are honoring and that they're as best as they can be and that we're that we're really trying to aim for just doing things of quality, right? Let's be people like that. People who are trying to do their best to put things out in the world that are good quality, that are professional and honoring to the Lord. So I'm excited to be celebrating three years of podcasting. (laughs) We've learned a lot along the way. I had no idea how to podcast. I had to Google all of the equipment that was needed. I needed to I needed to look up all of these different things because I am not the most tech savvy gal around and I'm I'm not afraid to admit it. I needed to look up some things. I needed to YouTube some things and hey, you know what? There's no shame in my game. <laughs> But I want to say thank you for tuning in each and every week. Thank you for your reviews. And even if you don't write out a review, when you leave stars on on the podcast, that is actually considered a review. And 
Every time you listen, every time you like the podcast, every time you share it, you know, people who leave reviews, all those things, the way that algorithms work in the tech world, it tells these platforms like YouTube and Spotify and, you know, Apple Podcasts, all these different things that, hey, people are interested in this type of content. And um, so they want to, you know, show it a little bit more on search engines and stuff like that. And I'll tell you something, we are living in a world right now where these types of platforms, we need more faith-based content, right? And so I just want to say thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your reviews. Thank you for sharing the podcast. We have listeners from not only here in the States, but from around the world. I mean, I I don't know. I may never meet you. I may never know your name, but I consider it an honor that you invite me into, into your day, into your week, into your life. And it just means so much to me to be able to connect with you here in the online space. And it is my heart to continue to not only produce and create content that is honoring to the Lord, but content that is going to add value to your life and champion you forward in all the things that God has for you. So thank you for tuning in each and every week. Thank you for celebrating three years with me. Just means so much. But anyway, all right. So enough of that commercial. Like I said, we are in a series of the armor of God. I started it a few weeks ago. And this week, we're going to be looking at the helmet of salvation. We're actually almost done with this series. I think that this episode will be a really great episode to not only help us understand what salvation is, In other words, what we're saved from and what we're saved by, uh, but help uh, reframe a mindset that doesn't reflect God's heart for you. The entire armor of God that the Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 6 shows us how the enemy attacks us as believers. I mean, if you really think about it and, you know, we've been we've been in this for a while now. So there's there's several weeks of this series, The Armor of God, and you, and you can go back and listen to them if you haven't. And I humbly encourage you to do that, but even re-listen to them. But if you think about each of the pieces of the armor of God that we've studied up until this point, we need the belt of truth because the enemy is forever baiting us with lies to distort what truth is. We need the breastplate of righteousness to guard our hearts so we don't allow any compromise to make its way into how we live our lives. We need the shoes of peace to be sure-footed on the battleground. We need the shield of faith so we're not susceptible to the fiery arrows aimed our way that would cause us to be immobilized and question God's faithfulness in our lives. And like I said, I think that if we look at each piece of the armor of God, including this week, the helmet of salvation, we see we see that we need each piece of the armor. Each piece is is vital. Each piece plays a significant role and is needed as we as we engage in this spiritual battle that we are all in. Because again, it shows us how the enemy attacks us as believers. So if you've been with us over this series, you know that I've been following the Apostle Paul's example in um, how he used the Roman soldier as a metaphor. So I want to start with explaining the helmet, uh, the helmet that the Roman soldier would wear as they engaged in a natural battle as, you know, as an army. 
The Roman soldier would never step foot onto the battlefield without his helmet. His head would be completely exposed, making him an easy target. Taking a blow to the head would hinder his ability to react in a timely manner or make swift decisions. The helmet not only covered their heads, but it also covered the back of the neck. It went over the ears and along the facial area. So if you can kind of just under understand and see in your mind's eye, kind of get that picture, that visual, that it was like really fitted. It wasn't loose fitting. It wasn't wobbly. You know, they weren't wearing it any other way than than that which would uh, it was a t- intended it was very fitted but not only over the top of their entire head but you know over the the back uh, like the neck and over the ears and along the facial area i think the first thing that we need to talk about in the helmet of salvation and i in all honesty i think i'd be remiss if i didn't is what is salvation? I think that we need to really understand what salvation is because as I was preparing for this week's episode, I immediately was was drawn back to earlier time in my life and and I was attending a women's Bible study and a part of the discussion we were talking about what Jesus provided for us on the cross and one of those things, of course, the greatest thing is salvation. And in the discussion portion of that study, I shared about how grateful we can be to be saved. That what salvation means to us as believers and how grateful we can be to Jesus Christ and his atoning work on the cross. And a woman that was sitting across from me, she said this, and she meant it genuinely. She wasn't being critical or or anything like that. She was genuinely interested. And so I'm not trying to attack her or say anything bad about her, but she said this, saved from what? And when she said that, I was sort of taken back a little bit because I I just remember, and even today, I, I find it it's sad because this woman had been attending church her entire life. She served on committees. She did all the right things, but she was never taught about salvation. And I think that is really sad that we can be a part of a church we can be doing all the right things. We can be there every time the church doors are open. But if we don't understand salvation, man, we are missing the gospel, really. I mean, that is that is the gospel. That is the heartbeat of the gospel, what Jesus Christ has, has done for us. And so... I want to walk us through what is what is referred to as the Roman road to salvation. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I want to emphasize the word all in that scripture for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means all of us, every single one of us. Man, woman, child. It doesn't matter how educated we are. It doesn't matter what family we came from, what side of the tracks we live on. It doesn't matter any titles or roles that we might have. It doesn't matter how many letters we have behind our name. We all fall short of the glory of God. Billy Graham, great man of faith, left an incredible legacy, fell short of the glory of God. 
Every single one of us falls short of the glory of God. No one is excluded from that. No one. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, we were created as eternal beings. We don't just die. We don't just live our lives and then we die and we're buried six feet under the ground and then that's it. We were created as eternal beings. It's up to us, however, where we live eternity, where we live our eternal lives. There's a heaven and there's and there's a hell. And Jesus, Jesus is the the son of God. And for the Christian faith, we are the only ones who hold our faith, holds to the truth that our God stepped out of heaven and took upon himself the sins of their of his people and died on a cross and rose three days later and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. He is alive forevermore, and because he is alive, our faith can be alive. So we were created as eternal people. And John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 16, tells us that God isn't willing that any shall perish, but he sent his one and only son to die on a cross for us so that we could live in eternity with him. And I'm paraphrasing that scripture verse, but that is essentially the gospel. That is what the gospel message is, that Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven and he became sin for us. He was sinless and he took upon my sin. He took upon my shame, my guilt, everything that I deserved. He took it to the cross. That was my cross. And he took your sin, your shame, everything that you deserved and went to the cross, your cross, the cross that should have been yours, the cross that should have been mine. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans chapter 10 and verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Jesus is the only way to the Father. He is the only doorway to eternal life in heaven. He is not a way, he is the way. And I remember many, many years ago, a very famous uh, television personality. If I shared her name, you would know her right away who I'm talking about. She used to have a worldwide known, uh, very well-known global influence. She used to have a talk show on uh, daytime television. She no longer does that anymore. She's retired from that and is doing other things. But I remember, I remember very clearly on national television, again, all of these, I mean, people tuning in, people in the audience, hearing her every single day. Um, she had a daily talk show, uh, uh, you know, Monday through Friday on, on television. And she said with the microphone in her hand, she said, I just want it. I just want everybody to know that there isn't just one way to heaven. There are many ways to heaven. And that, I mean, it about, I don't know, like 
that type of that type of message should make us want to stand up and say, "Ah, uh, no, that is not truth. That is not absolute truth." But you know what's sad about that is the amount of influence that that woman had. Again, I mean, global influence and all of the people that were tuning in, watching the replay. And then even sharing what what they maybe heard that particular episode, that particular show on that day, and the amount of people that like took that as truth. But the Bible says the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the only way to God the Father. He is the only doorway to eternal life in heaven. He is not a way. He is the way. He said, "I am the way, the truth." and the life. Jesus said that about himself. And, you know, quite simply, the ABCs of salvation, uh, anytime I lead someone in the prayer of salvation and accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, let's not make it more complicated than it needs to be. I often refer to as the ABCs of salvation. A, admit that you're a sinner and that you have fallen short of the glory of God. B, Believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for you and rose from the dead three days later and that he is the son of God. C, confess your sin and confess him as your Lord and your savior and invite him to live in your heart. And then I also include inviting the person to pray that the Lord would help them to live their lives in a way that is honoring of God, because we can't do that by ourselves. We we need God's help because we are imperfect people living in an imperfect world, and this life can be really hard. This life can be really challenging, and so we need God's strength. We we need the empowerment and the equipping of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to live out our faith and live for God in this world. The Roman Road to Salvation clearly teaches us what we are saved from, our sin and the penalty of it without salvation and what we are saved by, the atoning work of Jesus through his death on the cross. And just for the sake of time, but I would humbly encourage you to also look up this passage of scripture from Romans chapter 5 and verses 8 through 10. All right, so now that we understand um, what salvation is, and I, I feel a little bit more at peace in my heart that I offered that understanding for anybody that would maybe be listening today that you would maybe be new to your faith and and really trying to better understand salvation. Again, I just really felt like I would be remiss had I not fully explained that. So those of you that are a little bit more seasoned in your faith and you already understand and had a, a full grasp of what salvation is, thank you for extending a little bit of grace to me and being able to teach and explain that to people that might be listening today so that we can all together grow in our faith. But I want to talk about and sort of shift here a little bit and talk a little bit about the battle for our mind. Now that we understand salvation, again, I, I just want us to look at the battle of our minds because for us, spiritually speaking, the enemy wants to attack our minds to draw our attention away from the eternal to the temporal. He wants you to be focused on right here and right now. But you know what? Again, like I just said, we were created as eternal beings. We're citizens of heaven. We are just passing through here. This world is not our home. And I don't know about you, but that makes me 
want to give an emphatic amen. Thank you, Jesus, that this world is not my home, but that you are preparing a place for me and that you are coming again to get me. That can be found in John's Gospel, chapter 14. But the enemy wants us to, to be people who, who are removed from living a life of peace to worry, from the faithfulness of God to doubt, for, from living from a place of truth to lies. He wants us to be people who, who no longer live in unity, but live in division, from hope to discouragement, just to name a, a few common things that he wants us to, to live in. Essentially, he wants us to waver in our faith, and often it begins with a thought. And here's why I, I'm just adamant about that, because an action always follows a thought, right? It's something that you that you think and then you follow it through with an action. You know, I was having a conversation earlier this week just to kind of interject a little bit, uh, something a little lighthearted, but I think that you'll be able to understand this and then apply it to what we're talking about this week. But I was talking with someone earlier this week, a really great friend I've known for many, many years. We've logged a lot of miles together, but we were talking about, you know, just being a little bit more disciplined in um, in wanting a healthier lifestyle. And, and we were talking about, oh, it just like, my mind wants me, is just always telling me that I I need to eat more and I need that sugary treat or I need that sugary, um, that sugary drink or that sweet and salty. And we were kind of just joking back and forth. And I made this comment. I said, you know, where the where the mind goes, the man follows. And sometimes I follow it right into right into the kitchen and I open up the cupboard and I start binging on cookies or I start binging on chips or I start, you know, all of those different things. And I know that that's kind of a funny thing, but we understand that when we apply it to our faith, right? I mean, it begins with a thought. It begins with, it begins with a thought and we start to think, well, you know, it's like, it's like he baits us and he baits us. The enemy baits us into thinking this, that, or the other thing. And then our actions and our behaviors and our responses follow that it starts in in our mind first peter chapter 1 and verse 13 says this therefore gird up the loins of your mind be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the salvation of jesus christ and in romans chapter 12 verse 2 do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, ladies, the world isn't going to tell us what the good, acceptable and perfect will of God is. It just isn't. You are not going to find that out there. You're not going to find it in a magazine. You're not going to find it in some self-help type of type of material or teaching it's found in the bible it's found in god's word and that's why i i've been uh, i'm just so adamant about being a woman of the world uh not of the world <laughs> of the word <laughs> don't be a woman of the world <laughs> be a woman of the word because again the world isn't going to tell us what the good acceptable and perfect will of god is the Bible is because that that is absolute truth. This area 
the mind and the battle for it, in all honesty, is an area I have to be consistently aware of. It's it's in my headspace that often trips me up, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. And I think it's good to be aware of where our blind spots are because it puts us on the offense rather than the defense. And I don't know, maybe this isn't necessarily your blind spot, but it is mine. It is mine. It It is where the battle takes place for me. And I, I've had to really do a lot of growing in this area over the past 30 years of, of serving the Lord and being a, a follower of Christ. I've, it's been 30 years of renewing my mind and understanding how the enemy attacks me and and the different weaknesses uh, that he that he wants to just really kind of exploit in in my thoughts. This is actually something um, I've coached a lot of women in how to not get tripped up by an unrenewed mind. And I think that it's so interesting because it goes back to something that I wholeheartedly believe that what he does in you, he then wants to do through you. And I have been that woman that is that has been so tormented and harassed in her mind and in her thoughts and just like my mind and my thoughts just going rogue and and just taking the bait constantly and and if i'm even going to be a little bit more honest and vulnerable i've been that woman where i've been i've been like just in a pit because because of my thoughts because of because of the the mindset and the narrative that i that i was believing believing lies and and just doubt and and not viewing god through through a healthy biblical lens and viewing my life and and my future and and what god could could do through this one life i was just not viewing that in a healthy way and and just constantly living living from a place of lies instead of living from what what God speaks over me and what the cross has spoken over me. And so I I think that it's so interesting that the Lord allows me to coach women in this exact area where he has done an incredible uh, life-changing work on the inside of me. Isn't that so like God? I love that. I love that. So just a little side note. If you're not aware, along with the other things I do with She Rises, I'm also a certified transformation life coach, and I love it. I love it. I love coaching women on how to become aware of their thoughts, identify where those thoughts are coming from, and how to reframe those thoughts according to scripture. We were not created to live stuck, and often a mindset or unhealthy narrative is what holds us back from stepping into what God has for us. And if we're going to be honest, I know that it's not my own sad story. I I, I just have to believe that it's not, um, I'm not the only one. It's not my own sad story. Sometimes the mountain needing to be moved is within, right? It's it's within us. Sometimes we, we, we think if that would change or if that person would treat me better, or if that person would just acknowledge me, or if I would get that job, or if if I had this or that or or that that thing over there, or this that or the other thing, then I would be 
you know, fill in the blank. But oftentimes it's the mountain needing to be, the mountain needing to be moved is within us. So that even if we didn't have this, that, or the other thing, I'm going to be a secure woman of God and live from the truth of, of what the cross has already spoken over me. I also uh, get to help coach women who are fine, who are finding themselves in some kind of transition in life and stepping into the new thing that God is doing in their life and I love it. Just a quick little testimonial, and then we'll get back into uh, this this week's episode. But I just have to share this testimony with you that that uh, was shared with me not too long ago. But I'm coaching someone who is who is in their seventies, and I I just remember she said to me something that was so profound. She said, "You know, I used to think that because." of my age that God couldn't do a new thing in my life. And even though I wanted to help other women walk through some things that I have walked through with the Lord and I wanted to help them and be that voice in their life that I wish I would have had as a, as a younger woman. But my age is what I felt like was the obstacle and standing in my way. In other words, it was kind of like a self-imposed limit. And she together, you know, just her and I and coming alongside her and in her life and just beginning to talk these things out and champion her forward. This woman is now like she she's viewing her life differently and she is boldly in her 70s taking taking some steps and stepping into some things that she knows God had placed in her heart like several years ago. And even though she felt like she was disqualified and she was kind of discounting herself, God had not, God had not removed that, that God given gift on the inside of her and the, the potential that was lying on the inside of her. It was still, it was still there. God hadn't forgotten. God had still called her. And I just love that. I love watching women just step out and soar and reach higher in their faith and be spurred on and championed in their faith. I love it. All right, enough of that. So let's talk a little bit about uh, reframing our thoughts as we think about the helmet of salvation. Recall how I described the literal helmet of the Roman soldier in biblical times. I shared how it covered the back of the neck the ears, and the facial area. Some helmets also had a small visor type thing that offered a little bit of protection for their eyes as well. It wasn't like a really like big visor. I'm thinking about like maybe people that you would see wearing like a baseball cap or like a sun visor, that type of thing. What didn't look like that. It was like really small and not, not every helmet had that, but some did. And especially as as you know, years went on and helmets progressed, I suppose. But spiritually speaking, as you live out your faith, it is important that you and I pay close attention to what we're listening to and what we're viewing. So in the spirit here, that's what we're talking about, the helmet of salvation and understanding that as the helmet covered the head, the back of the neck, and it was fitted as such that it it was fit over their ears and, and around the facial area, and then that little visor across their eyes. So spiritually speaking, it's important for us as we understand, as we wear the helmet of salvation, that we pay close attention to what we're listening to and what we're viewing. As you think of wearing the helmet of salvation, consider how it offers protection of your ears. 
Are the voices you're listening to adding value to your life? Are they spurring you on in your faith? Are they calling you higher? Are they speaking absolute truth or a version of truth? Those are two different things. And then consider your eyes. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it reads, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh, just love that. I love that. Maybe may we be women who lay aside anything that might be holding us back so that we can run with endurance the race set before us. Wow. Talk about reframing our thoughts. If we reread verse of Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That was the frame Jesus had around his thoughts. Yes, it was obedience to the father and you and I as well. He was thinking about you. He thought about you, your name, your life was on his mind as he went to the cross. But look at how he framed what was before him. I mean, It's just incredible. It's incredible. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Yes, we see him just travailing in the garden of Gethsemane and like sweating drops of blood and and asking God, you know, is there any way that this cup from can pass from me? And just that, I mean, we just can never really fully understand what he went through and what he was carrying because we're not Jesus, right? We can't pull him down somehow and make him equal with us. But think about it. I mean, if you really read that time of travailing in prayer in the garden of of Gethsemane. I mean, he was grieved. He understood and was carrying the weight of the sin of the world. And he understood what that meant. And so we understand all of that, all of that, but it challenges us to examine if the frame, in other words, our eyes we're looking through shows Jesus and all that he has provided for us through the cross. Man, think about that. Again, look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That was how he framed his thoughts. God, not my will, but your will be done. This is going to be crushing. He knew what was he was going to have to endure. He knew about the beating, the whipping. He knew about the, the betrayal. He knew about the nails that were going to be pounded into into his hands and into his feet. He understood the agony and and just the weight of the sin that he that he was going to have to to carry. He understood all of that. But man, talk about reframing your thoughts. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy? He knew what he, what the cross was going to produce in our lives, in my life and in your life. And he knew that it was going to be pleasing to God the Father. He knew that, that what he was going to do on the cross would be a once and done. 
that it would never have to be updated, that it would never have to be done again, that he did a complete work, a finished work, that he would be the bridge that would make it possible for you and I, unholy people, to enter into a relationship with a holy God. It would be because of him that that we could stand before a holy God, not in our righteousness, but in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Man, that is that is so powerful. Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through 16 tells us, and this is the apostle Paul writing, he says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, therefore, let us, let you and I, let us, as many are as mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this to you. Nevertheless, to the to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Man, that is so powerful. You know, Paul is almost using like the imagery of a runner running a race, right? Well, being someone who I've I've been a runner for many, many years. I mean, I remember like back in middle school being on the, the track and the cross country team. So I've been running a long time. I'm I'm 53. So I've logged a lot of physical miles, a lot of literal miles, leaving it on the pavement. But, you know, being a runner, runners, they don't look backward. They don't look backward. They have eyes that look forward. They have eyes that look straight ahead. Why? Because looking backward is only going to slow them down. It's going to slow them down. It's going to possibly trip them up. It's going to be distracting. And so runners, like they point their toes forward. They have eyes that move forward. Forward movement, forward thinking. That's what the helmet of salvation also challenges, challenges us in, to have forward movement, to have forward thinking. The enemy hates that we have chosen to live this one life with the purpose of first knowing God and then making him known in the world. And he will do whatever he can to steal, kill, and destroy. Without the helmet, we will take on blows from the enemy that will disorientate us. Let's not forget what we are fighting for. Put on the helmet of salvation and don't take blows to your head. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Be a woman of the word. Take an inventory. Make sure that what you're listening to, what you're viewing, how you're spending your time, all of those different things are a reflection of what God, what God would be speaking to you and how he would be leading you. Because again, without the helmet, we will take blows from the enemy that will disorientate us. Let's not forget what we're fighting for. Next week, we're going to be talking about the sword of the spirit and sister, I have a lot to say about that piece of the armor. 
This one area we'll cover is the power of the word spoken over our lives and over our situation. We're going to be talking about taking up the sword of the spirit and declaring and decreeing the word of God over our lives, over our situation, and, and just being women of the word and walking that out. I am really, really passionate about the sword of the spirit. So I don't know if you can tell, but I am really, really excited about next week's next week's episode. So I hope that you come back and tune in and I hope that this added value to you. I hope that it encouraged you and championed you forward. And I just want to say if you are interested in coaching and you want to know, you want to explore the possibility of of seeing if, if this might be a good fit for you, you can just click the link in the show notes and uh, click the tab. That's a link to my website. And then once you're on that website, Click the tab up at the top that says Into the New Life Coaching and schedule your free discovery call. It's a 30-minute discovery call. I would love to hear your heart. I would love to hear what God is speaking to you and what areas you want to have transformation in and see if this might be a good fit. All right, ladies. So with that, I'm going to let you go. But Have a great rest of your week, and I look forward to connecting with you right back here, same place, same time next week. Thank you so much for joining me this week. It was great connecting with you. Hey, would you do me a quick favor that would mean the world to me? Would you go ahead and leave a few stars and a review or even a comment? It not only means so much to me, but in the online space and the podcasting world, the more stars, reviews, and comments that a podcast receives, the further the reach. It ranks up a little bit higher in Google searches, which then results in reaching more women with this amazing content. So if you are blessed and enjoying, you know, just the content that you are hearing here on the podcast, would you go ahead and leave a few stars, a review and some comments? It means the world to me. Thank you so much. And I'll catch you right back here. Same place, same time next week.